in the name of God, the creator, liberator, and sustainer of the universe. Amen. Um, I have been uh, ordained a priest for 56 years. And uh, during that time, I have sometimes been working on sermons. And on Wednesday, came to realize that because of certain actions, I was going to have to write another sermon. Uh, but never in my 56 years, on Sunday morning, have I made that decision. But I did make that decision today. Uh, our Gospel reading today is again from the prologue to John's Gospel, a prologue that is very well known to us. It was also the Gospel reading for the third Eucharist on Christmas Day. I was prepared to expound on the first chapter of John again today until I heard this morning that word had reached us from South Africa that Archbishop Desmond Tutu had died. Tutu was a remarkable influence on my own life in many ways. As I'm sure is true of many of you. When I was 19 years old, I was on my way back to college. I think it was after a Christmas break. When for some reason, which I don't even recall now, I stopped in Lexington, Virginia. And I went in to the Narfex of the Episcopal Church in Lexington, Virginia, the Robert E. Lee Memorial Episcopal Church, which has since changed its name. But in the Narfex of that church, in the entryway, they were selling various books. And one of the books they were selling was written by an Anglican monk named Traver Huddleston, who worked in South Africa. The name of the book was Not, Not For Your Comfort. Traver Huddleston was later to become a bishop in South Africa. He was also later to be expelled from South Africa by the apartheid government. The book was a very powerful book about the reality of apartheid in South Africa. After having read that book, I was never able to live as if I did not know what Bishop Huddleston was saying in that book. One of the things that I did not know at that time was that there was a housekeeper who worked for the community of the resurrection, 
who had a young son, and the son of this housekeeper had become friends with this Anglican priest and monk, Trevor Huddleston. The little boy's name was Desmond. And Desmond Tutu was greatly influenced by Trevor Huddleston, learned at a very early age the need to struggle for justice and also the price that could be paid, which Huddleston certainly did. The prologue to John's Gospel says that the Word became light in Jesus in part so that we could see who God is and in seeing become the kind of people that God created us to be. Created in the image and likeness of God and in full knowledge that we are all children of God. Desmond Tutu, very early on, saw that we were all children of God and that in the reign of God, there are not first-class children and second-class children. Desmond Tutu saw the light that was in Jesus and became that light. I had the great privilege of meeting Archbishop Tutu on several occasions, but I remember most profoundly the last occasion. I was serving as chaplain at Rutgers University in New Brunswick, New Jersey. We had put together a very strong anti-apartheid coalition in the university, of which your present rector was a part. We had taken over buildings and said we would not turn them back to the university until the university divested from South Africa. We were calling on the state of New Jersey to divest from the apartheid struggle in South Africa. And the struggle was really hard. We also discovered that the Johnson & Johnson Corporation, which was based in New Brunswick, had major holdings in South Africa. We had also been struggling to get the Shell Oil Company to divest from South Africa. We had been successful in getting the Episcopal House of Bishops to vote to divest, although sadly, the Bishop of Texas at that time voted against the divestment policy. Shell oil was too close to home, I guess. Then we found out that 
to divert attention away from itself and its investments in South Africa, the Johnson & Johnson Corporation had decided to make a major gift to the Martin Luther King Center in Atlanta, Georgia. And they were going to give that gift to Mrs. Coretta Scott King at a National Council of Churches meeting, which had been scheduled three or four years earlier, in a hotel, the Height Regency in New Brunswick, which was owned by the Johnson & Johnson Corporation. So our local anti-apartheid committee, when we heard that Johnson & Johnson was going to try to attend this National Council of Churches meeting, we decided, we announced that we would have a picket line, an anti-apartheid picket line around the hotel during the entire meeting of the National Council of Churches. The National Council of Churches was greatly upset, greatly upset. They did not know what to do. And what we did not know at the time was they had an even bigger problem. That in addition to presenting an award to Mrs. King, who was going to be there, they had also invited Desmond Tutu to address the convention. We got in touch with Desmond Tutu's office and he informed us that he would not cross the picket line <laughs> and go into the hotel to speak at the National Council of Churches meeting. National Council of Churches, which is a progressive organization, did not like having to deal with a struggle. So we had many, many confrontations. We finally reached an agreement in which Archbishop Tutu would speak in a church across the street um, and not cross the picket line. But we also got a message from Archbishop Tutu's office saying that he wanted to meet with us. So the five of us who were on the steering committee set a time in Christ Church, New Brunswick, and at the appointed time, Archbishop Tutu came in. He walked into the room. He walked across. He took my hand. And he said, I want to thank you in the name of the people of South Africa for what you're doing. He said, you don't know how much this means to us. By, by this time, some reporters had been coming in and people were taking photos. The Tutu would not let go of my hand. He just stood there and he kept telling people how appreciative he was of what we were doing. We met with him and we talked with him and he, he encouraged us the anti-apartheid struggle was often a very difficult struggle. 
very, very difficult. But I could never forget, in the midst of our most difficult moments, the light of Desmond Tutu. I would think about <clears throat> what Tutu must have gone through growing up in a country where he was considered a third-class person. There were white, colored, and black. He was black. Growing up in a very poor family, the decisions he must have had to make simply about staying alive. But one of the things about Desmond Tutu was that even as he talked about the, the Kirk family, the president of South Africa, he never spoke with hatred. He never spoke with hatred. He realized that as human beings, we are all children of God. He realized, he realized that we as a people have to love and care for one another and put the common good above our own selfish interest. Again and again, Desmond Tutu was imprisoned, his life was threatened, his family was threatened. He never became bitter. He never became bitter. He said that truth would prevail. Desmond Tutu knew that the light had shone in the darkness and the darkness had not overcome it. After Tutu's visit, a few days later, I received a call from the president of Rutgers University. We'd been trying to get them to divest and he said to me, I, I understand that you and some other faculty and students are going to be arrested at the South African Embassy in New York City today. And I said, that's right, Dr. Blastein. And he said, would you mind if I join you? And we said, well, let us think about it for a moment. <laughs> now we said we would greatly welcome you. So Ed Blaustein and I marched in front of the South African Embassy. We were arrested, put in a Manhattan paddy car, taken down and booked. And while we were being booked, the officer who was booking us looked up at President Blaustein and said, aren't you the president of Rutgers? Blaustein said, yes. He said, my son is a student there. He won't believe I met you. Will you give me your autograph? <laughs> and then we were put in a cell for a while. Nothing like, nothing like what people of South Africa experienced, but it was a sign of our solidarity. Desmond Tutu has always been for me in my adult life a sign that the light is stronger than the darkness. The light is stronger than the darkness. 
and that the light will prevail. We celebrate the Word becoming incarnate in Jesus Christ, but John also tells us that we become new creations in Christ in our baptism. We become the Word made flesh. And in Desmond Tutu, we saw again what the Word made flesh looks like in our world. And for that, I am extremely grateful and hope that I will always remember one of the things that Desmond Tutu said again and again and again. And if you know anything about him, you've heard this. Tutu said in almost every speech, in a time of great moral crisis, if you remain neutral, you are on the side of the oppressor. Let there be peace among us, and let us never be instruments of our own or anyone else's oppression. Amen.